Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, before we get to today's episode, which you are going to learn a lot of things about parenting and the adult child parent parental relationship and so much more. But my daughter McKinley and I, we buried the lead. There's a big announcement that we made, but we did not make it until the end of the podcast. So I hope that you will stay tuned until the end because there's some exciting things that we are going to reveal. Okay, let's get to the show. Welcome to episode 388 of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and uh, a host of this here podcast. Mackie Overbay, welcome to The Virtual Couch. Thank you. You rattled me and I did not finish my <laughs> typical introduction. Do you want to keep going? I don't, actually. Okay, okay. And, moving right along. Uh, do you feel okay with me invading your personal space like this? We got to do what we got to do know, for we the just, podcast. Mackie and, I, Mackie and I spent quite a while watching YouTube videos to make sure that the microphone was set up correctly. Something I probably should have done a year ago when I invested in nicer microphones. Today's a new cool day. Today's a new day. And Mackie is bailing me out a little bit. I don't even know how many times you've been on the virtual couch. Do you know? I really don't. Two or three? Oh, it's more than that. Four? Maybe more. Okay. Maybe five, maybe six. Why, then why didn't you just say what it was? I don't know. Okay. That's a really good question. <laughs> And I am not just trying to kill time, but Mackie is here to bail me out because I have a couple of podcast interviews in the can, as we say in the business. And one of them, I really, I cannot wait to get out. It's uh, an artist I showed you, Mackenzie Mitchell. She's amazing. She really is. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. And so that was one I wanted to get out today, but I know that I need to let it, let it curate. It's being edited right now. And McKinsey's actually doing some artwork for the thumbnail of the podcast that is, I think, going to have me in her artwork. But just to prep you for that, I'll put the link to her account in the show notes. But she's an incredible artist. And we talked about Enneagrams and mental health. And are you familiar with the Enneagram? I am. Are you really? Oh, well, not, I don't know all of it. I know what I am. Or what are you? I'm a two, which okay. is like the helper. The helper. Okay. Also known as pushover. pushover. <laughs> I was going to say, we talked about that in the episode next week. So maybe we'll have to have you back on and we'll talk about that. Um, I'm, the, that. I'm the enthusiast, if you if that's kind of shocking. shocking. <laughs> I know. But if you're not familiar with any grams, and I am setting the table for this episode next week, it's really fascinating because it's one of those things where that sounds cool, the enthusiast, but then the dark side is I need constant validation. That's also There's shocking. always a little like negative. There is. There's the positive it. and the negative to that. But Mackie's here to help out with the podcast episode. And I texted her and I said, hey, I got a really, really interesting message from someone. And they're somebody that I really want to, to help them. They are a, a loyal listener. And here is the question. They said, I love the episodes that you've done with your daughter, Mackie, and I'm learning more about parenting as my own kids get older. And I went back and I listened to an episode with the two of you, and it was like a completely new podcast because now I know what I didn't know then. 
Can you two do an episode and let me know what I need to know now that I don't know that I need to know? Does that make sense? It actually really does. It really does. Because what does that sound like to you? I mean, just that you only know what you know and you do the best you can with it. And as you grow, you need to know more things. You really do. And so what she's asking is that as her kids have gotten older, she's realized that a lot of the things that she thought just made perfect sense from a parenting standpoint no longer make perfect sense as her kids move into different stages and different phases of life. And you and I have talked about, we've talked about parenting, we've talked about mental health and anxiety and depression. And so I just thought it would be fun to get we will we will answer her questions and we will come together and I would love your take. So we're going to be going a little bit off the cuff of your take on what does this person need to know that she doesn't even know that she needs to know now that her kids are older. Yes. Yeah. Sounds good. Oh, I was like ready for you to answer well, you, the I'm question. supposed to go? No, you don't. <laughs> and I thought about how do we even set this thing up? And I was doing a session with somebody recently. And it's funny because I will go through these phases and I will talk all about the nurtured heart approach parenting. Or I will just talk about how you start parenting kids these days. And then I haven't really talked about that stuff in a while. And so I have this client, a fairly new client, and this person's getting in a pretty good place as far as just some overall tools go. And so then we started talking about putting those tools in place with some of their kids and their older and adult kids. And then I got really excited and I thought, man, I haven't talked about this for a long time. So do you remember or have I ever told you about this concept of I did a consulting gig at a very large company? And they were talking about losing their employees under the age of 25. Do you know the story? I don't think so. Okay. I think this will be a a way to set the table and then you can kind of jump in. And then we've got some questions that we've written down as well. But the gist is I can't say the name of the company, but a friend (laughs) of mine has a very large consulting company and they were brought on because this large software company was, I think they were, and I now that I understand the way memory works and confabulated memory, (laughs) I probably made all of this up and I don't even know if I went. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to know that. No, so I think just, I did. I'm pretty okay. sure I went. Okay. I remember staying in a hotel and, and it that seems sort of convincing. Thing. It does. And so I, I was here at this uh, big software company and they were losing. It was, I want to say that thousands of employees a year under the age of 25. And the, in the past, now I know I'm making up the numbers, but you'll, but the gist is, is that they hire a whole lot of people, young people. And then in the past, those people would stay on board at least five, six years before they would look to change companies. And now they were leaving after 11 months, 12 months, Mm -hmm. really soon. And they were leaving to their competitors. So this company that cost them a lot of money to train the employees. And so it was in essence, older people in management saying, how do we get these kids to stay? And it was a fascinating experience because they had a lot of data. I think that they had reached out and paid for. And that data went something like this. I feel like now you need to bust me a sick beat. Does that sound like I was about to bust out a rap? It did, but I'm not qualified. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but the data was something to do with it, it was like when I was when I used to work in the computer industry, which was a long time ago, the speed of a microprocessor and the size of a hard drive doubled. And I'm making this part up too every couple of years. But then it would, as the years go on, then that went to every 18 months and then every 15 months and every year that the microprocessor would double in speed and the hard drive would double in size. And at some point now, and I've had people write in when I've talked about this in the past, it's the, there's a something principle. It's a mathematical equation, or I don't know, there's a bell curve involved in some graph paper of some sort, maybe a protractor. That's what I would guess. (laughs) I would think so too. Maybe one of those compasses. Yes. Um, 
And but the data showed that then the generations of kids these days are moving at this equal to this rate of how fast technology increases. And so then I'm skipping so much, but then I would say, and I'm doing this with my hand, and this isn't a video <laughs> episode today, but so now I'll step back and say that when I was younger, if my dad was talking about records, I was talking about CDs. So we really kind of knew what each other was talking about. Mm-hmm. But now if I'm talking about CDs and now we go with this, the kids these days, the technology curve is so drastic mm-hmm. that I'm talking about CDs and they are way over here, wherever this curve goes, not even remotely similar, even remotely similar and okay. they don't care. And okay. so then no longer do I really have more of the shared experience? So now as a parent, if I start talking about, you know, when I was a kid, we used to go outside and play and television was called books and you need to call your friends. And so if my dad was telling me things about him growing up, I was still paying attention because I, I had a similar, or I could, I somewhat could, of a shared, shared experience. Yeah, experience. But then if I'm telling you guys growing up about, Hey, get off your phone and go outside and call your friends on the phone that's like unheard of to younger kids. Yeah. Now. So if I was saying okay. that literally to you, were you so curious and saying, tell me more about what that was like, dad? Right. Or no. is it just, no, we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so then what was fascinating was for the next couple of days at this consulting gig, we, it, it just felt like everything that the data that they would bring up, they would say things like, okay, um, in the past, people would sign up for health insurance by a certain day, let's just say November 1st, and 90 something percent of the people would do it. And now everybody under the age of 25, maybe it's 70% are signing up. But then on November 2nd, somebody breaks their leg and they say, hey, where's my health insurance? And then the company's saying, well, you've missed the deadline. And the people were saying, I don't understand what you're saying. Like you're moving your mouth and I hear noise coming out but I need my health insurance. And so it's kind of terrifying. It it, it really is interesting. And so then all of us in the room for the most part were these older people and we're saying, well, they they should have signed up for health insurance. And then the whole point was the reason we were all there was that the people, the the employees were saying, okay, does company B, C, D, and E have a deadline or can you just get it whenever you want? And the data was saying, oh, you can get it whenever you want. You can work in your pajamas if you want. You can work out of a, of a straw tent in the middle of a, the Amazon if, as long as you have Wi-Fi. And if you want to look at a different job within the company, sure, why not? And if you want lunch, then we'll bring it to you. And if you want to go cook the lunch, we'll teach you how to cook. And it, it was almost to that point where, hey, if you're here, you're one of us, you're in the family. So people wanted to work there. And this company had a reputation that they've been around forever and they were huge. And But they were losing their employees because their employees were still stuck in this, hey, let me tell you about records, if that makes wow. sense. Yeah. So then this person even at one point brought, uh, they said, why do we have this healthcare deadline? Let's say November 1st. Instantly, the whole HR department comes up and says, it's because that's the way we've done it and it's easier for us. And so then the person said, well, let's stop doing that. And then even the older people in the room, I I remember saying things like, okay, but they need to do the deadline. And then the theme of the time that we were up there where people were saying, well, then we're going to lose them. And it was this really awkward moment where it was the, the kids these days versus the old people. And they were talking about things like on some of the campuses of these other companies, they were doing, let's say, I don't know, Instagram photo challenges of the week and hashtag whatever that was on campus. And this place was saying, well, we can't just have people running around taking pictures because they might run into proprietary information. So what's the vibe you get from that? What do you hear in there? I mean, it's just, it's weird because it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How that unfolded and how that happens. And yeah. I can see how that's a thing constantly like not in 
things there. But then what we're talking about today, even you think about it that way and just what mental health was viewed as. Yeah. Instead of the older people, don't worry about (laughs) it or rub a little dirt in it or it's not a big deal. Or have you thought about not thinking that? Yeah. So it just makes sense how that happens. And then where that, that disconnect just is. And so then I think it's really interesting because you have to be as an old person, I'm 53 and you have to be very intentional about getting outside of your own ego or what you grew up with. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on where, well, I want validation of what my childhood was like. Well, if I want that, I need to go see my own therapist or I need to talk to my (laughs) wife who has a similar experience, but no longer are, I don't think the kids wanting to just hear all about the... You can't rely too much you on can't, the because they, to, they yeah. aren't really relatable. They can I, sit there and just go, okay, right, <laughs> but it's yeah, not really going to, yeah. yeah, not and, helping and, anyone. And I think that this is one of those concepts too where I don't know what it was like to grow up with a phone. And, and when you look at what the concept of implicit memory or what it feels like to be you or me, which is based off of the slow residue of lived experience, do you always remember having a phone? No. Okay. I mean, I... Because I, I still had a little bit of... I mean, we played outside and we like, yeah, you know, yeah. called people. We had our house phone and all that stuff. But I guess we always had a house phone. Yeah, we did. But I didn't get a cell phone until I was 14. Okay. And now that's... Which now like, that's crazy. That's is, like a right? full-grown adult. <laughs> like not having a cell phone. Which so. I hate. I don't think that should be that way. But... And that was even... I felt like I was way... Like now looking back, I don't. But at the time, I I couldn't believe I didn't have one yet. Really? Because I think it was already transitioning there. Yeah. But then it's what you're saying, where you as a slightly older guy, <laughs> that wasn't a thing. So oh, why would you give your thing. little kid a phone? Makes no you know? sense at yeah. all. It makes no sense. And, yeah. I, and again, this is where I look at me right now. I want to tell stories. I want to say, <laughs> I remember when I got my first texting plan and it was $10 or $5 a month and it was 200 texts. And I thought, when am I going to use 200 texts? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> no, uh, no. Now I think I did 200 in the last couple hours. Probably. I'm sure. Yeah. But this is what's so fascinating too. And earlier this week, I had a session where somebody, a teenager had run into some struggles, some challenges, and the parent was immediately saying, do we take their phone? And I have strong thoughts on that that probably aren't the norm, which are not necessarily because I've worked with enough teenage clients where if you just take everything away, and especially if the punishments or the consequences are a little bit haphazard and there is no rhyme or reason mm-hmm. that eventually the the kid just feels like, Hey, whatever you're, I don't even care. You're going to take it anyway. And they probably have a burner phone or those sort of things anyway. <laughs> ready to go. Where, did you ever have your phone taken away? Never. Okay. Not did once. you ever deserve to have it taken away? I don't remember. Maybe. Did we threaten you? I don't think you really did. Yeah. And you turned out perfect, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right, let's talk though about, uh, so that's where I just thought there's a way to start framing where we want to go because I think parents and this person listening that wrote in that we, we really have to sit with some discomfort. Mm-hmm. We have to look at all these opportunities for growth. Right. And, and we have to just watch ourselves of just, well, yeah, but, well, yeah, but you need to just sign yeah. up for insurance by November 1st. Right. And if you're hearing that metaphorically, it's like, I don't even know what we're talking about. Right. So it's like that communication looks different now. Yeah, it really does. And it's not a thing where you can just disregard that. Yeah. You know, you, you have to feel the uncomfortable things and grow with it. Yeah. Which is scary. <laughs> well, and so do you, and, and some of these questions you can go in whatever direction you want. But if okay. we're just talking about communication, we use the phrases so often now feeling heard and feeling understood. And are those concepts that you were aware of in high school or they meant something to you? I mean, I don't think I was necessarily 
aware. I feel like at that age, I think like a high school age person, you're seeking that, but you don't really have a name for it. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. you don't really know what you're seeking or what you're looking for, which is really hard then for anyone trying to help yeah. because there's not really a name to it. Is but, there a time where you can identify that you felt heard or understood by mom or me? I think a lot, being that age, a lot of it was like, it was hard to grasp that feeling uh-huh. because there was no immediate fix or anything. So it was hard to feel heard. But I did feel like, I think we've talked about this in other episodes too, but just you would come sit on my floor. Mm-hmm. A very messy floor. Okay. <laughs> we didn't need to go into oh, that. Okay? okay. We can edit that out. Okay. Um, but anyways. A very clean floor. Thank you. You would come sit on my floor, whether I wanted you to be there or not. Yeah. And I'd be being grumpy on my bed or whatever, just wanting to be left alone. And I think that you just showing up that way was then allowing me to... No, that I don't you even were know if that's right. Yeah, or... like feel like even if I wasn't putting the words to it or acknowledging it because I was being grumpy and get out of my space and like yeah. that type of thing, I think there was an aspect of, okay, even if it doesn't, even if I can't figure this out, this guy's in my corner. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I don't know if that even answers that oh, it at does. all. But no, it yeah. does. And so it, this is going to be fun today because I, I want to introduce some concepts that we, I haven't talked about in probably since we talked about things last and they weren't part of what I would have talked about with parenting. So I like to say that every kid and especially a teenager exhibits signs as if they were a young narcissist in training. Very egocentric and everything. Again, this is a bless their heart, but everything revolves mm-hmm. around them. So if the parent doesn't give them what they want, then they, well, what does that feel like? I don't know. You probably got everything you wanted all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but can you think of times where it felt like you must not care about me if you aren't doing what I would like for you to, or is that too general? I think maybe it's still general, but I think it's, it's that it goes back to that. There, there isn't an immediate fix yeah. thing, but yeah. when you are in that, high school age, slightly narcissistic, everything revolves around you. When somebody's not offering you up an instant fix or if what they are offering you doesn't instantly fix it, it's such a strange feeling because in one sense you want to be like, well, they're trying to help. But in another sense, it's like, you're not fixing this. And it be, and there becomes this then kind of disconnect and this weird thing where looking back at it now, I know you were just trying to offer up things to help, like with my anxiety and my depression and all of these things. But because it didn't fix it in the moment, I had such a hard time just being like, okay, cool. Oh, Mackie, let's talk about, let's stay there for a minute because I think that is difficult because you're capturing it perfectly where if you didn't feel good about, about yourself or about a situation going on in your life and I would come lay on your floor or mom and I would want to talk to you. And then we're saying, what's going on? And then if you would be upset, well, I just feel this and nobody cares and these sort of things, then we immediately, and this is the stuff I don't think I've ever really laid out from a parenting standpoint before, that makes us feel anxious. And so we want to get rid of our anxiety. We want to get rid of our discomfort Mm -hmm. by telling you it's going to be okay. Right. Oh, I feel better. How do you feel, Mac? And then I'm sitting there going, it's not okay. It's not going to be okay. Stop saying that. Yeah. Because I remember you offered up therapy and you offered yeah. up, okay, let's go see a psychiatrist. I remember sitting on my floor in the middle of a panic attack and you pulled out Headspace. and you uh, were, That's not the time, let's is sit, it? You know, like I'm freaking out and yeah. you're like, let's breathe. And I'm like, you d-, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. this crazy thing. And so it's just, I don't even know what to do with that. No, I love helpful, this so much, but, Matthew, but, but that, because in that moment, it's about me or the parent wanting to 
get rid of their discomfort. Right. Sometimes that's as much as it makes sense as a human to want to try to get rid of your discomfort and the discomfort of your kid. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to hold on to that discomfort. Yeah. Because it's not about you at no. that moment. You're going to be there. Like, yeah. It's just not. And that's hard. And it that's is. asking a lot of somebody to constantly put that aside. But in that moment, yeah, it's not about oh, you as hard as that is. That's so good. And it's so well said. And I pulled up this thing around. I'm trying to write some stuff. There's a book called uh, Masculine in the Relationship by a guy named G.S. Youngblood. And, and it is not a parenting book, but he has these concepts around what is called holding this masculine frame. And I'm trying to, I'm being honest, I'm trying to rewrite this because when you talk about masculine, feminine, what do you think of? It just gets yucky and we, I don't know. Male, just, female, yeah. like whatever, and, and toxic masculinity yeah. or and bro culture. What you're or, supposed to do and what yeah, you're not supposed and, to do. And I got to tell you, the yeah. book is not that, but I know that that's the concept that people think about. But this is why I bring this up. And I think this stuff is so fascinating. Basically, in that scenario, you don't know what you want, but you don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And then you reach out and then a parent says, okay, I, I want to be here for you, but you're making it really hard for me. Because again, I just made it about me. And now all of a sudden you feel less heard or less understood. And then even as the kid, I think it starts to feel, well, then now I need to ease your discomfort. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then it becomes a whole new level yes. of then like, yes. okay, I'm good. Like, okay, let's not talk about this. So <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's what it gets to. And so then this concept, it talks about this holding the masculine frame. And again, I'm trying to rewrite some of this. I think I'm going to sit a masculine feminine. It's more about presence and radiance. It's more mm-hmm. about the, the picture frame to the artwork or it's the riverbank to the flowing river. So I've been looking at maybe reframing it or renaming it assertive and nurturing so, because either male or female can be assertive or male or female can be nurturing. Yeah. It's like that fits any scenario. Yeah. Then, but yeah. right now it's still so in my head about this holding the masculine frame. But here's the concept. So let's say that you are feeling emotionally dysregulated. Your okay. amygdala is hijacked, but you don't know what you need. And that, and it, and I think that's usually how it, it goes. is. Yeah. Not just Anyone, anybody, on, anybody, any age really. Like so then a now, parent yeah. steps in and they feel so uncomfortable and they hurt for their kid and they want mm-hmm. to then get rid of their kid's discomfort. But their kid right now is not even sure what they need. And right. so it's almost like, okay, dance for me, old man. And I'll tell you if you do well. <laughs> and you're not, I'm not a good dancer. Right. Shockingly. I mean, it, what? Were you surprised a little bit? I didn't see that one coming. No. So the concepts that I'm trying to put in play here are in holding the masculine frame or holding the assertive frame is the first tenet is don't play victim. And this is from the role of the parent. So if I come in there and I go, geez, hey, don't say that stuff. You're being mean. If I'm a victim, does that help you? Not at all. No. The second one, I think this one is so powerful, is know that your kid in that situation is testing the relationship for safety because they feel unsafe. What do you think about this? That's deep. That part alone, and this concept goes in in a marital relationship, if uh, if not that your mom would ever be in an emotionally dysregulated <laughs> state, but if she was feeling like, I just feel anxious and angry and sad or whatever, I want to fix it. I want to say, it's okay, because I want her to calm down because I love her, and I want to get rid of my discomfort, because if I can't smooth the waters here, it might be a rough night. She's not going to want to play Rummy Cube with me. Not at all. Right. Heaven forbid Mario Kart. Not going to happen. So I love that concept where it's okay. Know that your teenager, your spouse, me, if I'm losing my stuff, that I'm testing the relationship for safety. I feel unsafe. Doesn't that resonate? Yeah. So then the third thing, which I think is so powerful as well, is putting your uh, putting connection ahead of fear or ego. So now is this time where I've been looking so much at the idea of consistency. So connection is I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be consistent. And it's ahead of my fear, fear that I may not be able to 
say the right thing, and then you're not going to want to play Rummy Cube. And if we're talking about a marital relationship, I can say, if you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's funny though, because I feel like that's that one will resonate because that's where if a guy says in the scenario, I got to calm her down or tonight's shot. Yeah. So then it's, but you're putting connection ahead of your fear or ego when you, any teenager, any young adult, anyone is in an emotionally dysregulated state and they want the other person to make them feel better because they feel unsafe. And that person is just saying, man, that sounds hard. I'm here for you. I, I am so sorry. It looks like you're going through a lot. That isn't what you need. And so then this concept of connection ahead of fear or ego is that I often say you're going to start pushing more buttons to try to get me to respond. So the ego, now if you, how dare you attack my fragile ego and tell me I'm being a crummy dad <laughs> or I'm bald or I'm not very tall. Because that's always what it comes exactly. to. Exactly. But, but I like the concept is if I'm putting that connection ahead of fear or ego, because again, if you are already in this emotionally dysregulated state, what we were talking about, mm-hmm. and you feel unsafe and I'm trying to be there, it, it's almost, and I sometimes say it's almost like the emotionally dysregulated or in that moment, the emotionally immature person needs me to get in a dust up so that they will feel alive or they'll feel like. Like I'm, something's happening. Something's happening. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. But I I do think the idea of making it about connection. Yeah. I feel like then you you have to stop the thoughts, right? Like think about the connection and stop. And <laughs> like there. don't Just, even let, yeah. Yeah, let the other things go, your mind go in any way beyond that. And I think too, with the, the second one, going back to testing the relationship for safety, yeah. I just, I think as the person who is the emotionally dysregulated one in that moment, it is not always, but typically it is like the end of the world, you yeah. know, like to that person. So that would feel compl- incredibly unsafe. Yeah. It's so unsafe and it's terrifying and it's, and you don't have the answers and you don't know what to do. And we talked about this earlier, but the fact that having somebody in your corner and having somebody allow you to feel like you're not going to be abandoned or left alone. Even because if of, you're pushing yeah, buttons. Right. And with all the feelings you're feeling and all the crazy negative things there, Knowing that somebody is not going to leave, hmm. which I think then goes to if that connection is felt in there yeah. and if that person feels safe, that feeling of safety and connection goes further than trying to like, manage your discomfort yeah, or anxiety. Any words, any, it's just like I'm here. Yeah. Which doesn't fix it necessarily. It doesn't, but, but I think that's the whole concept is that you want, you, you want it to be this, fixed and the parent yeah. wants to fix it. And I think we're looking at the wrong solution, yeah. the wrong resolution solution yeah but it's that's not going to make it better no and so it's like it is just about it's like about being there without saying i'm there if that makes any sense well okay you just set me up and and i don't think uh, you are aware of this but the next (laughs) one so we've got don't play the victim that's an easy one Mm -hmm. know that the emotionally uh, dysregulated person is testing the relationship for safety Mm -hmm. and put connection ahead of your fear or ego and i think that's so much about consistency and then the fourth one is show your love don't tell it I didn't even know that was coming. Oh, I know. It's in this one. I mean, yeah. kind of gives me the chills because as I was learning these and trying to put these into practice, they're hard because yeah. as somebody like myself, we go back to the Enneagram stuff we started with and I, I want validation. Mm-hmm. I want to know that, you know, that I'm trying, but that's a me issue. Right. It's not the time for that. So show your love. Don't tell by showing your love in these situations. You're just, I like to just say, you're just being and doing, you're being calm. You're being confident. You're being consistent and you are, you're validating the the, I, I don't like calling him the emotionally dysregulated person. I would, the diaper baby. I mean, you're a, <laughs> the diaper baby. Is that it? Sure. No, yeah. no. Yeah. 
but you're <laughs> you're thing. you're just you're being there and yeah you're validating the we'll just say we're validating your kid in this moment or your spouse or that sounds hard how can i show up for you right now i appreciate you sharing this with me i'm here for you and if i go back to that one before they may say oh you appreciate me opening up to you well how about i open up by telling you you're a big piece of garbage right <laughs> and then it's oh man that sounds that sounds hard you know thank you right and then it's understanding that that kid in that moment yeah. Again, is feeling all of these crazy, terrible things, and they're not trying to hurt you. No. They're not trying to ruin the relationship or get rid of that connection. They just are so hurt and uncomfortable that it's like they don't know. Yeah. They don't know how to deal with that. And so as hard as that is, because it, I don't want to say like, okay, if you're the parent or whatever in that situation, just shove everything aside. You know, because right. it's like you're still allowed you're to be human, human and you're, you're still human. allowed to feel the things. but. I think there is a balance that can be worked on there in each specific scenario that is that balance of I'm still human and I'm going to feel these things, but I can set this aside at least for the moment Yep, because you need me right now. Yeah, because if not, the parent can so easily make it about themselves. Yeah. And so that, that part where it's the show your love, don't just tell it, just be and do is that often the the person will make it about the parent in that situation makes it about themselves and now they're going to tell you the or they're going to I'm, I'm going to tell you all the things I've done for you don't you know how hard I work for you don't you know how many times that I've been here for you and again what's that the common component there me I'm making it about me and it's the thing it doesn't help either person Not in that either. scenario Good point. because then the parent is feeling bad that they're not getting this validation but then the kid is now you're adding this layer of like guilt almost or this layer of like so much you're not good enough because you're not appreciating me and so it's not it does not benefit anyone no and and i think this is a good place to start laying out that and then the more that this doesn't go well the less safe you will feel the more frustrated the parent will feel you may even feel like now it's going to take on a whole lot for me to even try to come communicate to Well, yeah, the I think it just, it makes it harder and harder then. And then it's just going to continue to create this distance. Yeah. And then it's, I mean, it's so hard to then rebuild that. It is. Yeah. Which sucks, it but does. it's just, it's the reality of it. And so the less damage you can do there in every interaction is just going to yeah. set the relationship up for, for know, connection. Yeah. And then, so then after that, don't show your love, just be and do. Then uh, the next one that I, I talk about is you'll never take credit at this moment for your past good deeds. Because again, the the masculine or the unhealthy assertive right now then wants to alleviate their own anxiety and their discomfort by controlling the situation, even from a loving place. You know, they'll make it about themselves and just say, look, yeah, you, I, I, I know what you're going through. I've been there before and you don't understand all the things that I've done behind the scenes to try to, to set you up for success. And again, I think maybe what people are going to hear from this is that we, what you said a minute ago, we're both, we're both kind of hurting in this moment, mm-hmm. but I think this is the opportunity for the adult, the parent, to then be there, to, to sit with that discomfort and to step into this role maybe where they now have the tools to know what to do, to just be and be present and show their their love at a deep level. Yeah. And then I, I think knowing that too, like as you build that relationship, then it's like in those moments you're setting aside your things, but as you're building that relationship and it's growing, you're opening up this future relationship yes. where then you can communicate and have the feelings and you make a space and as the kid gets older and gets into adulthood and everything that relationship will be so oh. much different 
in a great way and yeah. in a way that you can openly communicate as the child, but also as the parent. Absolutely. And then you're hopefully learning tools to be able to show up different. Right. To then yeah. bring that up later. Yeah. So there's a couple more that I think are interesting. One's that this one's a quick one and it's just, you should know that you can usually ask for a do over. And that's just one. It's so funny. When I first was looking into this, these concepts around holding this, what again, I'm going to call the assertive frame or the masculine frame is knowing that you can ask for a do over because we're still human. So I may respond in an unhealthy way at first because I'm not quite up to speed on what's going on. Right. So you if are you, a human yeah. and there's hurt there. And so it makes sense. So if you call and you're down and all of a sudden I'm saying, hey, what's going on, buddy? Hey, well, let me tell you about my rough day. Right. And, and all I'm of a sudden I realize, the end of the world. Yeah. And I'm like. So I, and that's where instead of yeah. me going victim and going, sorry, I know I'm a horrible. I just, I was making it. It's all yeah. oh, man. Hey, so no, what's going on? That's big though. That really, like just, yeah, yeah, to have just a nice easy do over and do over and just know that both of you are human. Yeah. There's a, there's one more that I think this one will, this is the one that might sound like it doesn't quite fit, but I think it's interesting in the book. He talked about one of the most effective things you can do when dealing. And he's talking about in this scenario is like with your wife, but I would say with the diaper baby, the emotionally immature, uh-huh. the distra- dysregulate, <laughs> the one struggling. The right? diaper baby. Uh, is to accept her, I wrote, as your as your lighthouse, as your oracle, as your beacon. And this simply means that that while you are on this journey, let's say again as a parent of becoming and being and understanding that I can provide that connection and I can provide safety when this person I care about is feeling emotionally dysregulated, that then is there truth in what they're saying? If they're saying, I, I feel like you haven't been there for me, or I feel like you you sometimes say this and sometimes you say something else, then honestly, it's my opportunity to self-confront and grow because there's probably some truth even when that person is in this emotionally dysregulated state because I think sometimes they hold things in so much that then they they may express things that there's some elements of truth in it. And so I do want to look at that as it's not only just a opportunity for me to provide safety, but then I want to be better. I want to grow. I want to be able to provide consistency for you in this scenario as my daughter. And so is there truth in the fact that I could show up different or better, but that isn't something I'm going to let you know. That's a something for me to, right. to, to take a look at. But then again, I think if that relationship has been built it's something that can come up later, you know, yeah, like it's a yeah. conversation that can be had later and it's something where you can both then grow. But yeah. in that moment, yeah, keep that, you know, yeah. keep that in. It's a, yeah, that, that, <laughs> and keep then, that you know, we bring it, we bring it up later. Yeah. So I didn't even know we were going to go down that path there, but I, I, I'm grateful to you feel like that would help of being able to provide that assertive frame or helping provide that. No, I think it's great. Cause I do think as I think just human nature, like the way humans are, I do think that is we go into the defensive mode mm-hmm. in when there's discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that happens a lot with a parent and a child because it is, you know, societally the the parent's role to then step in and it kind really of is. be the assertive yeah. person. And to some extent, you know, there no, is I truth so. there. Like yeah, yeah, but but I do think it's good to view it that way and view it that it, you don't it's a moment that isn't about you. Yeah. And that's just the hard truth of it. But it's a moment that isn't about you, but it's a moment that can lead to growth. Yeah. Which is just, no, that's those are good. good. <laughs> it, it, it is. And so, okay, while we're talking about this too, I like the, when we're talking about getting rid of our discomfort and being and doing, you said something earlier where, yeah, it isn't that we're going to necessarily feel better after this, but I like bringing up the point that, but we're going to be able to get through this 
emotionally dysregulated moment and then get to hopefully a more productive conversation. And so I think any, any encounter you can have that isn't negative is fueling that growth. And I think anytime, even if you leave that conversation neutral, as long as it's not negative, Mm. you're heading in a better direction. Yeah. Which I think is the little things add up and then that relationship grows. Yeah. Which is good. It is. Can I, can, okay. I almost feel like do it, maybe I will need to edit this part out, but the first time that I put this into practice and I, I know I will spare details, too many details, <laughs> but mom and I were driving home from a restaurant and we were having a conversation and I realized in that moment that I was thinking, oh, we'll have one of my four pillar conversations, my four pillars of a connected conversation. I'm going to assume good intentions of whatever she's sharing. And I'm not going to tell her she's wrong. And I'm going to go into my third pillar and say, tell me more. And then I'm going to stay present. And I'm going to say, man, I hear you. And I feel, and I wonder, and I thought this would be amazing. But I remember that particular conversation in that moment. I think maybe she was feeling a little bit more emotionally overwhelmed. Grandma Dodie was, was sick and there was just a lot of emotion going on. Mm -hmm. And so I remember And I was just reading this and I was studying this concept and I realized, oh man, in this moment, I just said, oh, that sounds hard. Tell me more about that. Or what's that like for you? And she was saying some things and I noticed that I wanted to fix. Mm -hmm. I wanted to let her know. I wanted to say, hey, it's it's okay. Or or you just need to look at it like, and I realized, oh, that's a me issue. And and it was really hard. But it's a human thing. It's such a human. Which I think is important to acknowledge that it is, it's, it's a normal human reaction but that doesn't mean it's the best. No. And Matthew, the crazy part was as a anxious attachment, ADHD person Mm -hmm. that then I I just said, tell me more. And then there was some quiet and I realized what that anxious attachment looks like in that moment Mm -hmm. where I don't like quiet because I wanted (laughs) to say, are we good? Like, are you got to fix it right now? Yeah, exactly. And then I noticed I even wanted to say, Hey, just so you know, I'm over here holding the masculine frame. So I'm doing that. Just in case we didn't establish yeah, this. Yeah, but then I realized that's the whole thing about just be. Just connect and stop. Yeah. Stop there. Don't and, let and the mind keep going. There was one yeah. of the, and then this is the part where I realized that how difficult, you know, or maybe it can it can be hard with an anxious attachment as a parent to a kid or as a kid in, in general. But then with that silence, then I think maybe mom said, you know, hey, are, is, are you okay? Is like, everything okay? And I, I wanted to say, hey, that's my line. Like, that's... <laughs> You don't get to say no, that. I, that's me. I, that's what the anxious attachment says. And I just felt so, I felt so validated. Yeah. And I did. And then I said, oh, I'm good. And then we drove a little bit further. And then I remember bringing up some other topic. And what I like, and then we drove home. And the, the reason I bring this example up is because then at the end of the night, we didn't resolve or solve whatever it was. But I didn't jump in and try to fix. That wasn't mm-hmm. what I don't think she was looking for. So then I don't, I can imagine she might have left that one feeling like, okay, he doesn't get me or understand. And I would have left feeling like I was just trying to help. Right. And instead, so we didn't have a kumbaya moment right. then. But you didn't make things worse. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah. you didn't harm the relationship yeah. or make anyone feel unsafe no. or anything like that. And so again, I think even though that's maybe not the, dream ending to something like that. I think it's a win. And I think that if we're, you know, talking about the parent and child scenario, yes, that is good. That is a good thing. And that is a consistency and safety as a parent. If you're, if you can make your child feel safe and connected to you, that is such a win. Yeah. And as the kid feeling again, like your parent is in your corner, I mean, it makes the biggest difference. That's right. 
Yeah. I cannot believe that we've already gone 40 minutes. See, can we go a few more? I want to yeah. ask you one thing. I, do you remember, I think there was a time in the not too distant past where we were on the phone and you were, you were feeling a little bit emotionally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You were saying, Hey, I don't feel good. And that sort of thing. And I was giving you my patented, the brain is a don't get killed device speech. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm guessing that didn't resonate or <laughs> land in that moment. But we talked a lot about the doing instead of ruminating. And I'm curious mm-hmm. what your thoughts are on that. I think it's, it is one of those things because, again, in, so in this scenario, <laughs> yeah. in that moment, it was the end of the world for me, yeah. right? Like everything was bad and there was no light. There was no coming up mm. from it. It was all bad, right? Which happens. Yeah, People, absolutely. We feel this way, yes, like it happens. And so I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm like, everything sucks and I'll, you know, whatever. Like it's all bad. And then you're sitting there, yeah, giving me the whole spiel. And I'm maybe only hearing a few okay. words of it, right? Because I'm yeah, so focused yeah. on the whatever. But I'm picking up on these little things. And I think it's, I don't know if this will make any sense, but I feel like there are times where then you're saying these things. And again, I'm I'm freaking out and I'm panicking, but I'm I'm taking little bits and pieces of what you're saying and almost like throw them in, like throwing them in okay. the bank, kind sure. of, if that makes yeah. sense. Where I'm maybe not really allowing the words to set in, yeah. but they're going to stick around. And then... When I've had time to come to a little bit, then it's like, okay, I can think about that. And I do think the, I mean, just, yeah, like the last time this happened, we did talk about doing instead of ruminating. And, and it was just the thing where you were offering up these small things that I could do. Yeah. And I think it's, it's great because it isn't, you weren't trying to necessarily fix it in the Even moment. though I wanted to. Yeah. But it's not, you weren't like, go to therapy right now. Go no. check yourself in. Right. Like, it wasn't like that, but it was a, hey, how about we do this? And maybe literally one of your things was maybe you need to pet a dog. I did. Right? Like, yeah. it's, and it's these little things that don't then feel crazy overwhelming oh. to the person struggling, or at least yeah. for me. And then again, once I've kind of calmed down a little bit, <laughs> well, then it is like, okay, I can't, I can maybe do this and so, I can maybe be okay. So that, and thank you for saying that. Cause I feel validated, Mackie, <laughs> but that the, where I was, and I appreciate that where I was going with that too is, so this is plays into what I call my emotional baseline theory. And when things are not going well, you're feeling bad, your emotional baseline, you are not you, anyone's emotional baseline mm-hmm. is so low that, that I say you can't even access the tools that you need. And then you can even probably feel worse that, man, I can't even get to the tools that I need right. to feel better. And and that part just breaks my heart as a dad, as a therapist, as a husband. And so in those scenarios, yeah, what I was saying was it, it, anything to raise your baseline, which is do Legos, pet a dog, go on a walk, eat ice cream. I don't care, but anything other than ruminate and beat yourself up. But when people's baseline, when their baseline is so low, they do, they just start to spiral and beat themselves up and catastrophize. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was telling you, hey, just come visit us. Right. Because and, and you were saying, well, not, I don't want to, and yeah. I was like, okay, invite. I don't want you to come with you. Yeah. But then not trying to make me do some big crazy thing. Yeah, that would then make it worse because my baseline was so low. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it is that. It's a it, there's a balance there. There is, which I feel like we've kind of talked about this too. But with kids, I mean, with anyone, there it's. <laughs> like any mental health thing ever is not a one size fits all thing. No, it's not. And we kind of talked about that, but it's, it's just not. And that's not a comforting thing to hear, especially as the person trying to support or help because you want a book that just says, do, do this, 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 and this, and you're done and you're good and everyone's fine. And it's a hard truth of that is it doesn't work like that. Yeah. 
But there is something, again, to all these things we've talked about of connecting and building this relationship so that you can almost like process of elimination, figure out what works and what doesn't work. And And it may not work the same the next time. Right. But it's like you kind of have to then figure that out each time, which, again, is not a comforting, helpful (laughs) thing to be like, well, you just got to try all the things. But it's like to just do that and have kind of grace with it and know that it's a process and it's it's a thing in every kid and every person needs something a little bit different. Yeah. Which, in, in different scenarios. Again, I don't even know where I'm going with no, this. No, it's, it's good, Mickey. It's just a, to know that I think then too, for both parties, like you're doing better than you think you are and yeah. which is your whole thing, but, no, but you, that's, you're doing better than you think you are. And again, I think any, anything that's not a negative outcome mm-hmm. should be taken as a win and yeah. should be taken as you're both trying and you're both doing the right things to grow and to eventually figure it out a little bit better. So maybe next time it's a little bit easier or next yeah. time you can provide a little bit more support or help them feel a little bit more loved or what, you know, whatever they well, need. Well, and then slowly that, that implicit memory or what it feels like to be you is based off the slow residue of lived experience. And now you've got another win and you've got another win. And I'm convinced that over time, then that starts to make it a little bit easier to get out of those holes, but it doesn't mean you're going to avoid those holes. Right. And I think that's that there's a level of acceptance there, yeah, right? Where it's like, for real. And it's the kind of giving into that acceptance without just giving up on all the things. Yeah. And, and yeah, then just carrying that through. I think we were talking to about even let's just say that you were going to, you're going to walk outside and you're going to, I don't know, smell the flowers and you're going to find a squirrel and you're going to, but every one of those things is not ruminating. Right. And then I think even if it's so small, yeah. even if it's like turning on a song or something, yeah. like it's the smallest things, but yes, it's the, anything to take away from ruminating. Uh, yeah. Ruminate, beating yourself up. And I think, yeah. I think I was joking with you at that point. It was like, you'll, you will be packing bags mm-hmm. and you will be driving in a car and you'll be getting on an airplane. You'll be going mm-hmm. in an airport and you'll be and every one of those is better than. Right. Which in the moment I was sitting here telling you like, well, no, because then I'll just be thinking and I'll be doing. And no, because when you are doing the little, even if it's a little tiny thing, it is just bringing up that baseline. A little bit. And you still are going to think, but then you're doing and thinking and doing. And so it doesn't, it doesn't feel as horrible. Yeah. There's a, I was going to, I need to send you a mom this, but I was doing a meditation on the Peloton app today and it was incredible. And the person, I forget what her name is, but she just went right into this thing where she said, when we think about the past, she said, I think we get melancholy because we just continually think about what we should have done or how things we wish things would have been. And then when we start thinking about the future, then we worry about what, how things may not go the way that we want them to. And I think that just it's is not productive. It's either not, way. it's not. And I know it sounds so maybe sometimes cliched and cheesy of just being in the moment or in it being present, but being present is packing a bag or being present is noticing my hand petting a dog or it is um, picking at my cuticles or things, yeah. yeah. And, and in those very moments, those tiny moments, you're not ruminating. And so even if within a minute you've ruminated 20 times and you've done 40 things, then that's better than 60 things of rumination right. like because win. <laughs> over right time yeah. you will start to feel like I, I am just bad. I ruminate. Yeah. Okay. Do we solve problems? All of them? Every single one of them. Well, that's a good thing then, <laughs> right? Hey, we, I think we should probably go in and put this on at the beginning. So maybe you'll hear this two places, but I forgot at the beginning, the other big announcement that we have is I am getting hair plugs. <laughs> 
Now, I mentioned that when I had uh, Jeff and Aurora on and they're doing the We Funder for this movie about mental health. Mm-hmm. And when you contribute, which I did, then you're technically a Hollywood producer. So I think it comes with hair plugs and a sports car. That's pretty nice. Yeah, no, but we, what are we doing, Mac? We're doing a little podcast. Yeah, like not the one we're doing right now. No, like a, a different one. Mackie has started a podcast. I am the co-host. Mm-hmm. The podcast is called? The Mind, the Mirror, and Me. The mind, the mirror, and me. And I think it is so, it is so good. And maybe I will, maybe I will read (laughs) the podcast description. Should I? Please. Okay. Welcome to the mind, the mirror, and me, where the worlds of beauty and mental health come together like never before. This is a podcast for anybody eager to explore not just what they see in the mirror, but what lies beneath the surface. I was going to say you read the next part, but it's about you. (laughs) Mackie Overbay, a 20 something licensed cosmetologist, provides more than just styling tips. She offers a window into self-love, self-care, and the transformative power of looking your best. Um, okay, this is the first. <laughs> um, it actually, we, were, we were running some things through some artificial intelligence, and I put that I'm a therapist, so it said, her mother, an experienced marriage and family therapist. So that's that's like... That's a, a, I don't even know what that No, why, why does a therapist have to be a female? I don't know. You could dive into that no. sometime. So okay. her father, played by me... <laughs> An experienced marriage and family therapist brings therapeutic insights, offering guidance on relationships, family dynamics, and emotional well-being. Together, Mackie, we create a rich tapestry of conversation appealing to listeners of all ages and backgrounds. Is that enough? That's a good summary. Okay, so we'll have the link. Actually, maybe not quite yet. I was going to say in the show notes, but we will have a trailer up in the next, probably before the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so please go subscribe to the... Mirror, the mind, the mirror, and me, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are going to do more very clever things. I've ran, I've talked enough. Yeah. What's it going to be like, Mac? It's just, it's going to be a safe space and it's going to be a place where we can just feel our feelings, dive into things. (laughs) Yeah. And just keep things surface level, but then take those service level things and dive in really deep, which is just the best way to do it. Because you're finding that you are, I know you're not a licensed uh, therapist, but boy, are you. But I have a career where I, I get the opportunity to talk to a lot of people. Yeah. And one-on-one and get. For hours. For hours and get personal. And I've just, I've learned a lot of really cool things. Yeah. And I've experienced a lot of cool things and I just, I want to do something with that. Yeah. And, you know. Let people okay. know feeling is is good, and we can feel our feelings. They are, and so that's where I feel like I would more to you than just what you look like. But it's okay to look good, and it it's is. okay to feel good. You know, just tying all the things tying together, and that's what I think is so cool because we would talk about this, and I just think it's the perfect combination for a podcast. And then I wish I had hair, and I would go <laughs> sit in your chair, and we could talk, and you could do it. But people can literally go visit you and get their herded. Mm-hmm. And what kind of stuff can okay, remind people that are listening? What stuff do you do? Where are you at? You you have a salon, and what are the things that you do and you like to do? So I have a little suite in Orem, Utah, yeah, which is Utah County, and I do mainly women's hair. So I do color, blonding, brunettes, all the things, haircuts. I do hair extensions, and I am capable of a very mediocre men's cut. Okay. If, if anyone's in the market yeah. for well, then, Okay, and you've started doing piercing. Uh, yeah, and I did, I've started doing hollow needle ear piercings again. So that's just another fun yeah. 
little thing. And so do go look on the show notes of this episode and find Mackie. Find Mackie on Instagram at Beauty by Mackie. Mm-hmm. And you've you can see your work. You can see my and then, work. You can send me a message. You can like any anything. And can, can I do the thing something? where uh, yeah. yeah, if somebody books something, can they do ten percent off if they say they heard you on the virtual? Absolutely. Couch? Okay. And I hope that people will go find you because you're really good at what you do and you're fun to Thank talk you. about. And maybe I'll throw some virtual couch merchandise there oh, uh, in your waiting room. Real. It did, right? <laughs> so, Mackie, thanks for joining me. Thank you. And we will be talking a whole lot now a on the lot. podcast. All the time. Okay. Taking us out, per usual, the wonderful, the talented, the Aurora Florence with her song, It's Wonderful. Mackie, we'll see you next time on the virtual couch. Bye. Bye-bye. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the earth. Of the daily grind, it's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost are floating past the midnight hour. They push aside the things that matter most. It's
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.